Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them. You can bring your ladies group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707, 615-371-8707, or you can go to three W's and a dot worldchristian.org, find the donate here button, and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel. World Christian Broadcasting, in cooperation with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Tiki M Incorporated is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. This construction company in Moss, Tennessee specializes in erosion control. They do seeding and soil using hydro seeding and hydro mulch, minor excavation, silt fencing, traffic control, and construction signs. I had the privilege to hang out with Nick Melton of TKM Incorporated. And when I mean hang out with him, I mean spend some personal time. Uh, His boys and I and him did some uh, tree climbing at a park in Salina, Tennessee. We did a little Brazilian jiu-jitsu in a pavilion at the same park. Uh, We've had breakfast together, and I got invited to work out with them in a CrossFit gym, and they nearly killed me. And and I've also been, been to church with Nick Melton. Nick likes to say that TKM stands for the King's Men. Because you see, his mission, his life is, is that they serve the king. And if you want this guy and their company to do some work for you while they serve the king, you can contact them at 931-243-3958. That is 931-243-3958. The King's Men. When she was younger, my daughter would have told you that I was famous. I tried to explain to her that I might be somewhat known within a very, very small crowd. And and, and even inside that small crowd, I might be known, but not necessarily popular and most certainly was not famous as one properly understands fame. However, there are those moments. Uh, Many of my presentations, lectures and seminars and sermons have been proliferated on the World Wide Web. And now with the advent of Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, uh, almost every public appearance, almost everything that I've done in front of an audience has the chance to be recorded and and, and shared. Now, before all that stuff existed, and, and even before places had the ability to reliably make VHS recordings, most churches had tape libraries. And if you spoke at a certain church, you're presentation was going to be recorded on a tape. Now, if you're younger than the age of 30, a tape is this little box, this little square thing, has two wheels in it, and wrapped around those wheels is this little black ribbon that looks like tape. 
and it would record the vibrations of your voice. Now, later on, those became CDs, but but even the advent of, of the tapes and the CDs, you could only get those by request. It wasn't like somebody recorded your presentation and had a radio show to put it on. It wasn't like somebody recorded your presentation and could just put it on Facebook or share it to everybody in the world. It was one of those things where somebody recorded one of your presentations and they might walk up to somebody and physically hand it to them. If you shared it, it was old-fashioned sharing. Hey, I heard this guy talk about this. Here, listen to this. And they put it in their cassette player or they put it in their uh, automobile. And that was the only way that the stuff that you did got put out. And I knew some guys that sold tape series and, you know, different people. But there was nothing like it, the digital market is today. And and so, you know, the the limited speaking that I did in those early, early, early days, you know, the random church in Mississippi or the random church in Arkansas w- w- would have a tape. And so it wasn't like the things that you did got out. It wasn't like the things that you did got marketed. It, you know, pretty much, regardless of my daughter's opinion that I was famous, you pretty much you live in obscurity. And, and, and most of us do. Well, imagine my surprise that I'm sitting in church. Now, this is in the tape days. There's there's not reliable VHSs, and you know, there's nothing, no such thing as the World Wide Web yet. So imagine my surprise. I'm sitting in a church service with my wife, and the church that we're attending is, is in a preacher search. They're replacing a preacher, the guy who's going to speak every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And so you have this string of guys that come in, and they try out. And usually when you try out for a preaching job, you, you kind of want to bring your A game. And so I'm sitting in this audience beside my wife, and this young man gets up in the pulpit, and, and he starts this lesson, and, and I recognize it. Now, I don't mean I generally recognize it in, oh, I've spoken on that topic before, or oh, I've done an exegesis of that passage before. But I recognize that he's quoting a lesson, a lesson that I wrote, and he's quoting it verbatim. I mean, what you've got to understand is is that, that since I travel some, I'm often asked to do the same series. I have a marriage seminar that I do. I have an addiction seminar that I do. I, I have a, a series of lessons on what the Christian needs to know about mental illness or mental wellness. I have a parenting seminar. I have all kinds of things, and, and so those things are, are things that I've done and I've done repeatedly, and there's a rhythm and a flow to something that you've done several, several, several times. It's almost like a, a teacher with a lesson plan. And and Jackie travels with me enough that, that oftentimes she's heard some of these same lessons before. And, and so I'm, I'm using this, but it, it it's pretty surreal that I'm sitting here and, and then this man is using my intro. He's following my outline. I had a specific outline on this specific lesson. I introduced the people in the story that Jesus was telling, like you're introducing actors in a play. And then he's even using my illustrations. He's telling stories that I told about somebody else, but he's telling them in the first person. And it it is pretty surreal, and it's pretty weird at the same time. Now, you know, I use other people's material, and my material gets used all the time, and, and I don't mind it at all. Uh, there's an event or a conference, and and for whatever reason, they never ask me to speak at it, but my material <laughs> has been used at it a lot. Uh, 
It's been used numerous times. I'll get a phone call and a friend of mine will say, hey, let's go to lunch and we'll sit down and and the friend who's invited me to lunch will say, look, I've been asked to speak at this thing and I've been asked to speak on this topic and I'd like for you to offer me some guidance and share your perspective on it. And, And so even though I've never actually spoken personally at the event, my material, my lessons, my perspective on certain of these topics has been presented there. I haven't been there, but my notes have. Anyway, this is not just one story that this young man is repeating. This is not just one thing out of a lesson. He is performing the entire lesson like a script. He has taken this lesson on a tape, and he's listened to it enough times, and he's repeated it enough times that he is literally performing it like like he's an actor. And he starts out with the introduction. He starts out with the outline. He starts out with the illustrations. And I'm sitting here in the audience hearing my lesson in somebody else's voice. And Jackie leans over to me and whispers, this sounds familiar. <laughs> to which I responded, yeah, this kid's really good. <laughs> so after services, I walk out and I speak to the young man. I tell him, I really enjoyed your presentation. Now, if he connected my face my name or my voice with the lesson he just regurgitated. I couldn't tell it. He grinned broadly, shook my hand enthusiastically, and thanked me for my compliment. (laughs) I'm not famous, but one of my lessons is. Now, now don't get me wrong. I accommodate other people's material all the time. I'll read something. I'll hear something. I'll listen to something, and, and I will incorporate it into one of my own presentations. But when I do, If I quote it verbatim, I say, this is from so-and-so, and and here's what he said, and I quote, this is from so-and-so's book, I read this book, and and here's what he says. If I don't change the meaning in the book, if I don't, you know, uh, paraphrase it, I will read it directly and say, this came from page so-and-so. One of the presentations I use in my marriage seminars is from an outline I heard on a tape back in the day on the Beatitudes by a guy named Jim Woodruff. But when I present that lesson, I say, hey, this is from Jim Woodruff. And so I always say, I heard this from so-and-so. I read this in a book. I got this from. But I've never just taken another guy's presentation and memorized it and presented it as if it was my own. Now, I make a distinction between incorporating information into an original presentation and using it versus taking original information and using it to avoid writing your own. I, I, I don't, I think that's a disingenuous. You know, if I make a presentation and somebody says, can I get your outline? Well, I've done all the work. I've done all the writing. I've done all the, the, the chasing the rabbits and the tie. And, and I, you know, I, I think it's, Hey, could I use your outline as a beginning point for my outline? I don't, I don't mind that at all. But when somebody just straight up ask for my material, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like that. I remember one occasion, then I asked a guy, I had heard this presentation, and I don't really remember what it was about his presentation, but I walked up to him afterward and I said, look, I'm doing this series on this topic, and I would really like to borrow this particular illustration or this particular section of research that you did. And he responded to me, if my bullets will fire in your gun, then feel free to use them. And other than that one exception of me thinking that you're taking something I've written and you're just going to redo it, uh, and save yourself the work in incorporating my stuff into your stuff 
incorporating something that I've done into your original presentation. That's always been my attitude. If my bullets will fire in your gun, then, then I think you're welcome to it. When I opened up my private practice, I opened up my counseling practice on the first day of 1998. And I opened up in this little office building, and, and I worked in an office across this wide foyer, basically across, you know, a hallway from this charming little brother and sister team, Mr. Walt Barty and uh, his sister, Miss Ann Badgett. They sold gold, they sold silver, they sold rare coins, and, and they sold bullion. And they often had just, you know, an, an astounding amount of wealth across the hall in, in this little building that we were in on, on South Parkway. I don't remember how old they were when I started there. I know that Mr. Walt graduated from Auburn University in 1944. And we, we became friends. He and, and Miss Ann and I became friends, and we would visit across the hall. Well, as, as their health began to fade, and they were having to be gone from the, the little coin shop more and more and more, their grandson, Jared Bentley, would often come and work at the shop. And, and, and over the months, I developed a friendship and became friends with, with Jared, just like I did with Mr. Walt and Miss Ann. Uh, their door stayed open. They had this little uh, half door. And so the top part of it would open and the bottom part had a little shelf on it and they kind of used it as a countertop. And then when I didn't have clients in my office, I would open my doors. I'd sit behind my desk. I could look directly across the hall and, and see Jared or see Walt or see Miss Ann. And, and we would have conversations when, when I wasn't in session. And we conversed across the hall and we visited in the small foyer between our offices and we became really friends. And one day we were out there talking about something and Jared asked me about my choice of firearm. He asked, did I have a concealed carry permit? And I did. And he asked me what I like to carry. And I said, well, I really prefer a, a 45, like a 1911 45. Uh, I owned a Kimber and currently I use a Dan Wesson. Uh, well, he showed me his nine millimeter and we talked about guns and different things about shooting. And several weeks later, he came to work armed uh, with this uh, Kimber custom 45. Now, he was always armed because his little business, you know, they were selling gold and silver and bullions and investment coins, and, and they had all kind of wealth in this little nondescript shop. And, and so one day he shows up to work, and he's boasting this custom 45, and he said, you know, I started carrying this 45, and I started bringing it to work every day so that if we ever get into trouble in here, we can slide ammo <laughs> across the hallway. If, if, if my bullets will fire in your gun. You see, his bullets would fire in my gun and my bullets would fire in his gun. That's a pretty cool arrangement if you're having to hold down the zombie apocalypse or it's the attack on Fort Apache. That's a pretty cool arrangement knowing I had a guy right across the hall and we could share resources. We could interface. We could make an exchange and help each other be successful or help each other succeed in the event that we needed those resources. Now, the interesting thing about firing bullets in your gun the interesting thing about sliding ammunition across the hallway is we can't share bullets unless we share the same caliber and, and that may be an interesting thing that we need to analyze about what's holding us back from using other people's resources or other people being able to use our resources you know are we hanging out with people of similar caliber now that, that either means we need to up our game and, 
and and try harder and and attain a different caliber of integrity or responsibility or effort or that we need to ask ourselves hey who, who am i hanging out with and are we incompatible and people are unable to share the things that i'm trying to share with them because our calibers don't match you know i, I like a lot of stuff from jordan peterson and jordan peterson says things and and from his perspective and and and, and his background and his education, I really, really, really relate to, to what he says and, and sometimes even relate to how he says it. But truth be told, I'm not really smart enough to integrate much of what Peterson says into my work. I may sometimes go, hey, Jordan Peterson says this, and I agree with it, but I just can't take one of his concepts and integrate it into a presentation because I just think so very, very differently than Mr. Peterson. We're different calibers. I, I, I like a lot of the perspectives that I hear from Joe Rogan. I really like Mr. Rogan. Um, I don't share enough similar, similar similarities with him uh, for it to be personally usable. We fundamentally disagree on lots of basic things, worldview, uh, acceptance or rejection of the notion of creation versus evolution, uh, some things about recreational use of certain substances, and, and we're fundamentally different just straight up in vocabulary. We have some really different views. Now, that's not meant to disparage Mr. Rogan, but merely to illustrate that if you're trying to, to glean information, you're trying to share ammunition, if you're trying to slide bullets across the hall, and there's that big of a difference, that makes a big difference. So if my bullets will fire in your gun, you just got to make sure that your gun is the caliber that will handle those bullets. And, and if I'm trying to use your bullets in my gun, I got to make sure that the calibers match. And, and if not, then for whatever reason, above or below the caliber, I'm not going to be able to use that. We really need to be in, intentional, purposeful, direct. We need to be driven in surrounding ourselves with the people of similar caliber. Now, I'm not saying that, that we exclude people because we don't deem them as valuable. I'm not saying that we have this list of untouchables. I, I, don't, I don't believe there's a category of untouchables. But in, in the place where I'm sharing resources and the place where either I'm giving you my resources or I'm getting your resources, we need to be intentional to surround ourselves with people that, that we have approachable calibers with. If our resources can be mutually exchanged for the benefit of both parties, I learn from you, you learn from me. And if you learn from me or I learn from you, then the people that we serve, the people we minister to, or the people we work with will be benefited by that exchange. If, if my bullets will fire in your gun, you're welcome to use them. Now, sometimes folks are different caliber, and they're such a different caliber, they become non-influences. Or people are of such a different caliber than us, they become our mentors, or people are of different calibers and they become our students. And it depends on the nature of the relationship. You know, am I the person who's learning from you? Are you the person who's learning from me? Or are you a person I've decided I don't I don't really need what it is that you're doing? And because of those fundamental differences that make a big difference, I, I'm just going to decide, hey, that's incompatible. Well, I, I learn from you. You learn from me. And, and, and in cases of extreme mutual exclusive calibers, I choose not to interact or accept influence from you at all. 
If my bullets will fire in your gun, why would I not want to use them? Or maybe I should say that if your bullets will fire in my gun, why would I not want to use them? And if I can share my ammunition, my resources, my tools, my experience, etc., why would I not? And, and if your bullets will fire in my gun, the only reason I would refuse to use something that is useful from you is, is either because of hubris, because of vanity, or because of just plain stupidity. I've said before that everybody you meet knows something you don't know and can see something you can't see, and why would I refuse to use that ammunition to help me be a better person? I remember visiting in the home of a young man named Avery Russell. Avery Russell lived in Velvet Ridge, Arkansas. He was a high school student in Velvet Ridge, Arkansas, and, and he attended a church that I visited while I was in college. Now, this is Diana's brother. If, if you've heard the episode of the podcast that talks about familiar territory, this is the home of, of that little girl, and this is her older brother. I was at his house visiting one, one day, and, and he showed me a Browning twenty two lever-action rifle. And at that time, it was the most elegant gun I'd ever seen. It, it looked brand new. I don't know how, how long he'd had it. I don't think he'd had it over a week, maybe. But it was this beautiful little blackened blue steel gun, and it had a, a beautiful wooden stock, and, and inlaid in the lever was that golden browning symbol, that little etching that looks like a buck, and on the inside of the buck is, is a doe. You have to look at it just right. And it's this deer symbol that browning has on their weapons. I'd never seen a more beautiful gun. <laughs> I'd never handled a prettier gun. I'd never used a gun with the lever action as smooth. And this was early in my college career. This is probably the first semester of my college career. And so we'd only known each other a couple of weeks, maybe. Well, in the course of our conversation, he invited me to come over sometime, spend the night, and go hunting with him. And so I did. I, I drove over one afternoon after college on a weekend, and I spent the night at his house. And, and the next morning, we got up really, really early, and we got dressed to go sneak out into the woods. And, and I expected to go with him, but I did not expect to shoot because I didn't have a gun. I didn't have a weapon. So I was going to go with him, and I was prepared just to be an observer and walk around the woods and sit and stalk. And, and you know, but to my utter amazement, he uncases this beautiful little browning and he lays it in my arms and he says, you can hunt with this. And I, I, was, I was awed. I was dumbfounded. I was honored and humbled and, and I could not speak. Why would this boy, this high school boy, trust a relative stranger with something so precious and fine as this little firearm. What would move him to allow me to use this gun, much less take it into the woods where it could be dropped, scratched, or lose its, its pristine condition? I could not fathom the thought process that would go on in somebody's head to, to take something that beautiful and valuable and just hand it to really a relative stranger and say, here, you can carry this into the woods. The answer to that question is as simple as it is profound. In, in the world of, of Avery Russell, it was this simple. He knew I didn't have a gun, and, and he had one I could use, and he just handed it to me. It was not mine to own, but it was for my use if 
my bullets will fire in your gun had become you can fire bullets with my gun. At that time in my life, it was the closest thing that ever happened to, to when David and Jonathan became friends. And Jonathan is the son of a king, and David is a, is a shepherd. And because David proves himself in, in battle, Jonathan takes this shepherd and says, Here, I want you to have my tunic, my, my uniform shirt. I want you to have my warrior's belt. You can have my bow, and you can have my sword. Jonathan looked at this boy, David, and he equipped him. He used his resources to equip David when, when, when a king's son shares his weapons with the shepherds. That's, that's an amazing gesture, and it's an amazing gift. When you share your resources, your ammo, your armor, or your armament, it, it's really more than just a gift. You are equipping someone and you are empowering someone with resources and you're using your resources to do it. You're making an investment in someone or they are making that investment in you. Do not do this lightly and do not see it as inconsequential when someone does it for you. You are either telling someone or being told, if my bullets will fire in your gun. What you're telling them is we share a vision, we share a goal, we share a mission. The message we send and the message that we receive when someone empowers us, when someone equips us, when someone shares with us, or the message we're sending when we share with them, the message we send or receive is I see in you something valuable. And because I see potential in you, I'd like to contribute to it. Because what I see in you is a certain caliber. The mission of Heritage Christian University is simple. They aim to advance the churches of Christ by equipping servants through undergraduate and graduate programs. Heritage Christian University produces effective communicators of the gospel, focusing on evangelism and a commitment to scripture. Heritage Christian University is accredited by the Association for Biblical Higher Education and offers the following degrees. Associate of Arts in Biblical Studies, Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, Master of Arts, Master of Ministry, and Master of Divinity. Since 1968, Heritage Christian University, formerly International Bible College, has offered affordable degrees in biblical studies, allowing graduates to thrive in their ministries without the burden of loan debt after graduation. For more information about Heritage Christian University, visit www.hcu.edu, that's three W's and a dot, hcu.edu. Heritage Christian University is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is proud to partner 
with the Huntsville Police Citizens Foundation. This organization exists for the sole purpose of providing resources and assistance to our local law enforcement community. You can become a partner with us and go to hpcitizensfoundation.org and make a direct donation, or you could participate in our police memorial and buy a brick in honor of someone that you know or love, or you could come out and be a part of the Peel Hill Classic Run that is going to be revived in the Huntsville area. The run will take place on March the 30th. You can sponsor a runner, sponsor a team, or just sponsor the event in some way. All the funds will go directly to the Huntsville Police Citizens Foundation in us building a bedrock of financial resources to give assistance to our local law enforcement community. HPCitizensFoundation.org and Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive spiritual development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with life, controlling your inside space. A small essay using the principles of Brazilian jiu-jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Real, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots. Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and in, that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Thank you.